This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello, this is Don Bluth, and you're listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers. You're listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, episode 38, How to Train Your Dragonite. Yeah, I mean dragon. Welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, Dom Bluth, and everything in between. My name is Chelsea Robson, and this is my co-host, Morgan Stradling. Ahoy, hoy! And Mason Smith. Arr, shiver me timbers. <laughs> <laughs> Why did we come up with pirate noises? Because we're doing a pirate movie today. That's right! No, oh, yeah, we're not. Uh, we're doing a pirate. Viking movie. <laughs> <laughs> You know, Viking, but Vikings are like the pirates of the Norway it's seas. It's true. They're like ancestors of pirates. Right? Yeah. 500 years before. <laughs> so how's everybody's week been? It's been good. I have spent my week painting. Um, I'm out of school and we bought a house a few months ago. And so we were like, oh, yeah, we're going to paint in like three weeks. We're going to get everything done. And the weekend is the only time we can paint. And it turns out weekends actually are busy with other stuff too, like other appointments. And yeah, so it hasn't really happened. And so since I have free time, I've been painting and painting and painting and I'm almost done. Almost done. Yay. So that's about it. No, nothing too exciting. Oh, and so I've basically depleted all of my podcasts through spending, you know, six to eight hours a day painting. And so I've gone back, and I know I talked about this last time, but I've gone back and I've been listening to the old episodes of Talking Tunes with Rob Paulson. And I just got to give that show another plug. It's so good. He brings in, he's friends with all these voice actors. And so it gives you this cool vibe when he interviews them because they're actually buddies. And so it's more just like a bunch of friends talking, telling stories, you know. It's so good. So definitely go check out that show because I'm going back. And I'll listen to interviews and I have no idea who some of these artists are and then through listening to the podcast i become like instant fans because then i realize oh they did this this and this yeah it's pretty awesome yeah i will totally back up that plug 100 awesome podcast how about you mason oh uh let's see hmm well i'm sorry i wasn't there for the tinkerbell episode oh my God. so sad yeah i didn't even get a memo from you guys so thanks um <laughs> would you have well, wanted to join that one anyway i thought you were on vacation Oh, vacation. Or out of town <laughs> <Ew>. or something. <laughs> well, I'm not in your town, but um no, I was uh I was working on my final project for my visual art studio class. Check this out. We had to make life-sized paper mache and other paper products sculptures that were groups. So they were it wasn't a group project, they were groups of individual sculptures that had a common like theme. Uh-huh. And uh let me tell you this, when the whole group project thing starts like there's so much like 
drama and like politics that's involved in it because like the popular you know the the, the clicky kids all want to be in the same group you know <laughs> but then their group oh. gets too big so they have to split their group so they're like oh who stays and who goes and then the slacker kid is like well i want to be in a group with all the people who don't slack because they'll help me you know get this done you know because i'm a slacker and then you get the really talented people that really don't care but people want them in their group so there's like fighting over it and stuff and forget this i uh you um, were the slacker kid <laughs> yes, I was. Exactly. <laughs> the tale of Mason the Slacker. Not yep. true. I know you're anything but a slacker. Well, well, thanks. Now, anyway, um, I was just going to form my own group because I was just like, well, I'm going to go over here. But then um, <laughs> the um, the mechanical industrial group was like, hey, Mason, we're going to make giant robots. And I was like, huh? You know, <laughs> and they were like, hey, why don't you be in our group? We're going to make a team of giant fighting robot, like kind of Power Rangers, but they're robots. And I was like, I'm in. So we all chose these like combat roles of like a typical group of of warriors, you know, very RPG. And so I got I got the leader of the group, of course. And uh, there's like the big heavy robot. There's like the the slender sniper robot, and there's like the quick assassin robot. There's even a mage robot, like a magic wizard robot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it was a cool concept. But anyway, I finished it and uh, I got a really good grade on it. And I, it's all like cardboard and paper mache and spray paint, but it looks like metal and stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, and I even got it displayed in downtown Bryan, you know, near near Texas A and M. They they pulled the best undergraduate works and made a special exhibit for them downtown. And uh, mine got to be in it. Got, got interviewed by the newspaper and, and so that was cool it normally I wouldn't care about the recognition if i hadn't worked like so many hours and spent so many long nights uh working on this dang thing so are I you know. loving the program yeah i really like it you know of course i'm gonna miss byu and i'll, I'll probably be second guessing myself on, on whether it was right to not try to get into byu animation again but this was a, a great opportunity and i'm glad i took it because i really feel like i'm learning some good kind of technical skills to kind of help me figure out what exactly i want to do with my career um for a while, I was leaning towards wanting to do game development, and uh, right now, I think I really want to do animation, so kind of flip-flopping a little bit, but um, I'm kind of figuring it out. It's been a really cool semester. I'm glad I, I'm glad I made this move, and um, I, I'm pretty sure I made really good grades. <laughs> you know, for our listeners who are following my career, I don't know. <laughs> well, what was interesting, though, is that um, uh, the, John Pettingill, the, the guy that I know in the, in the grad program, he won the scholarship that was provided by, uh, there's one scholarship provided by Industrial Light and Magic and Pixar alumni from A&M, and he won that scholarship. And then he also won the scholarship provided by DreamWorks alumni of A&M. Wow. As it turns out, Pixar and DreamWorks are kind of the heavy recruiters from A&M, um, and they're not hiring right now, <laughs> is what he said, which is really interesting. Yeah. Well, um, hopefully by the time you graduate, right? Well, I picked a good time to be in school, didn't I? Yes. <laughs> During the lulls in in hiring. Yeah. yeah, let's just say lulls. But yeah, um, like I feel like I've been off on a business trip for like the past three weeks because like every day I just like seven AM I'm in the I was in the art studio working on my sculpture and I don't leave till like three AM the next morning. Wow. You're yeah. dedicated. Well, I don't know. I'm I, guess, I guess I'm dedicated. I was dedicated enough to know I wanted an A in that in that project. <laughs> True. I'm the type of student where I'm like, after 10 p.m., I don't care if I have so much homework. I'm like, you know what? 
body is shutting down, I will find out a way to make it work in the morning. And somehow I do, but I, I don't sacrifice sleep for school. Maybe I should. I usually don't either, you know, because I'm married and I don't pull out of all-nighters because of that. Yeah. But um, when worse comes to worse, you got to do what you got to do. And, you know, I don't know. At, at least yeah. I didn't do any all-nighters, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, just nearly all-nighters. <laughs> But anyway, that's that's uh, my electric tale of Pikachu sculpture, um, uh, sculpture project. But yeah, um, not planning on doing summer classes, but uh, I am planning on going to Disney World in July with my family. Yes. So I, yeah, I'm super excited. Then I'll pick up in the fall. Sweet. With classes. Didn't mean to be all long-winded, but I I feel like I haven't been on the show in a while. But it's only been one episode. <laughs> Hey, we love hearing from Mason, so... Oh, cool. gosh. <laughs> well, not too much new in my life this week, but maybe next week. Who knows? Um, let's move on to something that seems that a lot of people seem to be pretty passionate about. Yes. It seems like people really like the news. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think people like the news and they like our commentary on the news. Yeah, I kind of thought they would like the news, but then I didn't know. So I guess I wanted that confirmation and people love it. So it's here to stay, everybody. Okay, so Disney, a few years ago, they acquired Marvel. And one of the things people were speculating is, ooh, are they going to do a Marvel animated film? And is this going to be part Hmm. of the Disney canon? And a while ago, it was confirmed that they were going to do Big Hero 6. It was going to be that official Disney Marvel animated film. And so we got some pictures from it and then a video where you got your first look. So what did you guys think about it? You know, I hadn't heard anything about it. I mean, we talked about it on the website a little bit, but Big Hero 6 is pretty obscure as far as Marvel goes. Yeah, it's obscure. It's not very popular. Like I don't I think I might have heard of Big Hero Six, but uh but yeah, I haven't really um I mean he's not he's not he's not a guy you see like like people don't root for him to be in the next Avengers movie, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like he's not part of like the big popular Wait, Marvel isn't, hero crowd. Isn't big, isn't big Hero Six like a group of six people? See that? See, I don't even know. Yeah, see, that's, <laughs> like none of us know anything about it. Wait, because like, oh. well, I, I've just seen the picture of there's like six. Wait, okay. Story Center has a robotic prodigy, Hiro Hamada, who finds himself in the grips of a criminal thought, threatens to destroy the fast-paced, high-tech city of San Francisco, with the help of his closest companion, a robot named Baymax. Hiro joins forces with a reluctant team of first-time crime fighters on a mission to save their city. So I guess you were right. There is kind of a main protagonist, Mason, and then there's these other members of the gang. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't even know. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I'm not even. I can't even be excited about this because I don't know what it is. I'm excited that this is not an animated Wolverine movie, <laughs> guys. He's not the coolest. Not anymore. <laughs> you made him uncool. 
<laughs> Maybe. True, true. This is the story of how Wolverine saved the day. This is how the story of Wolverine went to Japan. This is the story of how Wolverine was born. This is the story of the time Wolverine had really bad indigestion. This is the time Wolverine went to space. <laughs> well, I'm actually kind of excited about this because it's obscure enough that people know a little bit about it. But at the same time, there's not going to be a lot of like fans out there that are going to be really upset if they change anything. So that kind of gives them a little bit of a, a freedom to expand on this story. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting in the fact that... Um... It'll just be new, and so I won't have any preconceived notions. I'll right. just be able to watch the movie, kind of enjoy these new characters, and go from there. So, cool. Good for them. <laughs> I don't know. What about Marvel Animation? Because they did their cartoon movies for a while. Yeah. Hulk versus I... Thor and Hulk versus Wolverine were actually really good. <laughs> I thought you hated Wolverine. <laughs> what? Well, I don't hate Wolverine. I, I just hate that. I hate that everyone likes Wolverine. Call me a Marvel hipster. But uh, <laughs> anyway, I don't know. I wonder. I wonder what this means for Marvel Animation because they made they they made a few like cartoon movies, you know. Yeah. But anyway, I guess I guess this whole I, thing will unfold. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I guess we'll find out, but it'll be interesting for sure. Yeah. Okay. So this next one, Disney withdraws trademark applications for Dia de los Muertos, which is the um, it's the working title, right, for this the new Pixar movie. Yeah, it's just called After the, Inside Out. It's called the untitled um, Dia de los Muertos Pixar film. I mean, it doesn't really even have anything. <laughs> you know, I first heard this and I just wanted to laugh because, I mean, Disney really tried to trademark the words Dia de los Muertos, which is a, a very large holiday in South America uh, and many Spanish speaking countries. And I, I mean, that's a holiday. I mean, it'd be like if I were to go and try and trademark Christmas. Coca-Cola already trademarked Christmas. <laughs> That's true. Along with Macy's. Morgan, you're our, our resident marketing expert wizard. Um, what does this mean? What's going on here? Well, I, basically, they, they were going to use the term Dia de los Muertos in the title, I think, of the movie. And so as a result, they were going to Dia de los Muertos and whatever the full title was going to be. I don't think I, I really don't think that the title was just going to be Dia de los Muertos. Like, that's not a good title at all. I think it was something plus. I don't know. And so they were going to use that so they could trademark all these different products and different things. And people were really upset. And the Latin community had like this backlash. Like, you can't do that to us. Like, this is our culture. And what? Um, <laughs> The Latin community—they never—they never backlash or revolt. <laughs> so, but they did, and but it's it's interesting. And anyway, so yeah, they they withdrew it, basically saying, "Okay, we'll change the title of the film. We didn't mean to come off, you know, inconsiderate." So basically, the movie's going to be titled something else now, but it's still going to be themed on that. Like, I think this was kind of like miscommunication on both sides. I don't think Disney was actually trying to trademark the holiday. I mean, like it belongs to us, <laughs> but people can of course get very upset when, a you know, this is, this is a, a holiday about kind of celebrating the dead and those who have passed. And so it's, it's more than just like Halloween. It deals with real people who have died to, you know, to some people. It's like a day of remembrance. Yeah. Like a Memorial day. And they dress up a bunch of skeletons. I don't know. I, I never really got into it, but I, it's it's a very um, it's a very lavish holiday. It's like it's a big deal down there. Yeah, pretty cool. 
Okay, so the next news story is DreamWorks is officially planning a sequel to The Croods, in addition to a TV series about The Croods. Yeah, that's right. They're already going Madagascar on it. (laughs) Yeah, this is DreamWorks' new favorite thing to do, is Turbo hasn't even come out, and there's a TV series. Uh, How to Train Your Dragon has a TV series, plus two movies that are coming out. It's just... It's what DreamWorks loves to do. And the funny thing is, like, I posted this on Twitter the other day, and it got, like, tons of retweets. It was, it said, DreamWorks announces sequel. And then people's response, meh, okay. Pixar announces sequel. Revolt! Yeah. It's just funny. I never thought I'd see the day. (laughs) People kind of, it's when DreamWorks does it, they're like, eh, whatever. And then when Pixar does it, there's this all this backlash, like, oh, why are you making sequels? And you should be making original. It's just funny to me. And like, yes, they had a hit. They're going to capitalize on that, of course. So I think it's because mostly Pixar, they started out with this like founding mantra of we're only going to do great films and da 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 da. I think because of the whole era of sequels horribly gone wrong by Disney, we kind of have this really bad taste in our mouth with all of these random crap sequels. And I think that's probably why, because there's so many fans that just love these and don't want to see that same thing happen again. Yeah, that's probably true. (laughs) But DreamWorks, I mean, I kind of see it as a mirrored image of how Disney started out. They started out in movies and then they moved into TV and they moved into all these things because they could and it's just one more way to expand. I just don't know if I I'm really into a crude sequel. Did any of you see the crudes? I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it yet. It's really Boy, good. We're, hor- we're horrible. No, we're starving students. That's true. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was good, but I, I don't know. I'm like, did okay. you like it? Did you like it more than Madagascar? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> well, then I shouldn't be complaining, huh? <laughs> well, I don't. I don't know. I guess you could complain, but. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to roll my eyes at this because this is now like DreamWorks' thing, you know? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Just let them, let them do their thing. Let them try, I guess. Well, I mean, I think it's going to get to where their business plans for Disney and DreamWorks, it's going to get to where you can't really compare the two because DreamWorks is going to go in one direction and Pixar and, and Disney are going to go in another. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can't really compare the Microsoft Xbox 360 with the Wii U anymore because... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nintendo's marketing strategy is is, is way different from the demographics and the, and the consumers that Xbox targets. You know, Call of Duty. But uh, <laughs> so I don't know. That's my unenlightened business prediction for the day. You know, who knows? I mean, I'm not going to watch it because <laughs> I don't because I don't have cable. But well, there we go. <laughs> but um, whatever. If kids like it, then cool. It'd be like the new Flintstones, you know? Oh. As long as they don't go uh, marketing, uh, doing commercials for Winston cigarettes. And doing cycle backgrounds. (laughs) (laughs) And only animating the heads. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, Fred. Yeah, if they start adding bow ties to everybody, you know we're in trouble. Yep. You know that's why they did it, right? They've added all these bow ties and neckties and collars to animals. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every Hanna-Barbera cartoon does it. It's so that everything above the bow tie or necktie will be animated, but everything below will be stationary. Oh, so everyone gets, like, a collar or, like, kind of, oh. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, that makes sense. Wow. Pay attention. Now you'll see it, the collar, the necklace, the neckline everywhere. Yeah. Okay, so let's go on to our main discussion.
It's a. Uh, oh, yeah. We haven't even told him what our film. Oh, yeah. Well, we have. We gave Briefly. hints. Hint. Yes. It's a Viking movie. Oh, it's a Viking. There's dragons involved. There's dragons. And and uh, angsty teenagers. Angsty teenagers. Well, are these these angsty teenagers aren't. Uh, but they're American. There, there isn't one. There isn't one that's training a dragon. Or is there? Mm, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Or is this just Pokemon? <laughs> Pocket monsters. You know when Ash is like when Ash is like, oh, well, Dragonite. All right, Pikachu. I choose you. Can I just say, the thing that bothered me about Ash is he didn't try to catch Pokemon. He was like yeah, he cool. Did. Yeah, but he was cool having like five. Yeah, he, he And like any Pokemon I see, I'm going to catch it. Well, no, no, you, you, the middle school child who has the Game Boy game, has to catch them all. Uh, Ash, uh, you know, he catches them when the plot demands that he does. <laughs> or when they bring a new generation of Pokemon in and he has to shift the other ones out and bring like, the new oh, ones Oh, in. no, guys, I got to release all my old Pokemon. <laughs> Did they ever Pikachu! Pikachu! Did he ever release the Pokemon? No, he, you yeah, know what? He would. He, he would, because they'd, they'd be like, oh, don't you see it? Charmeleon doesn't want to be with you. <laughs> He's like, oh my gosh, I never thought a Pokemon would like me. Oh, I should be more considerate about their feelings. <laughs> and Brock's like, Nurse Joy! But anyway. Coffee. And, you know, he never became the champ. Uh, he got like second place one time, I think. Yeah, second place. That's still losing. It's all about Gary. It's all about oh, Gary. <laughs> Gary coming from Gary girl. That's typical. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. True. Okay, so back to uh, not yeah, how, how to train. How, yeah, how to train your Dragonite. Um, <laughs> it's the new Pokemon spinoff based on how to train your dragon. <laughs> we all kill Dragonites. We should make a fan trailer. That would Don't be so you know? Lance, we all kill Dragonites. That's what we do. <laughs> but, Dad, I think we, we should befriend the Dragonites. No! I'm Gerard Butler, and nobody, nobody argues with Gerard Butler. Okay, wait, since we're on this, I, I want to go into this. Um, did you guys notice how all of the adults, or, I mean, the Vikings are all from, like, the northern European countries? Yeah, the Nor- it, it, geographically, it's called the Nordic Track. <laughs> right. So they're all from around there, and yet every adult on there has a Scottish accent, and then every child has an American accent. I'm thinking, what happened here? Anyway. You know, it is true. You see that in you see that in a ton of movies, like Aladdin. <laughs> like I'm that? Arabic, and his singing voice is, "I can show you the white world." I'm just kidding. <laughs> That was a nice song. All right, let's go on to the actual discussion. Sorry. (laughs) Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Insert trailer here. <laughs> this is my home. We have fishing, hunting, and a charming view of the sunsets. 
The only problems are the pests. You see, most places have mice or mosquitoes. We have dragons. Fighting dragons is everything around here. My name's Hiccup. I've always wanted to be a great Viking. Oh, no, you don't. Oh, come on. Let me out. I need to make my mark. You can't lift a hammer. You can't swing an axe. You can't even throw one of these. But this will throw it for me. Oh, I hit it? Yes, I hit it! I have brought down this mighty beast! Oh. Everything we know about them is wrong. Yeah! You're crazy. I like that. Let me show you gently. Thank you for nothing, you useless reptile. DreamWorks How to Train Your Dragon in 3D. Yeah, How to Train Your Dragon. Actually, you know, all jokes aside, um, my first thoughts are this is a pretty sweet film. Oh, yeah. I enjoyed it. And the number show, right? Yeah, so the worldwide box office total, it was barely below $500 million at $554 million, And that's impressive. It was directed by Chris Sanders, who I've, I've labeled the golden boy. Because basically anything he touches turns to gold. Wow. Uh, example, he did How to Train Your Dragon. He did The Croods. Yeah, he, he just did, did The Croods. <laughs> Lilo and Stitch. Well, he, he was in, he, he did some writing too. He wrote a little bit for Lion King. Yeah, yeah. Like he, he you have, did... You've heard of that one? Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. And he did some work on the screenplay for Mulan as well. I, yeah, I have his IMDb page pulled up right now, and he was the director of Lilo and Stitch. He did a lot of storyboarding and visual development for, like, Rescuers Down Under, Beauty and the Beast, Lion King, Aladdin. So basically, he's part of everything that's good. <laughs> so he did this along with Dean Dubois, who also kind of came up with the story for How to Train Your Dragon. Not the original story, but he co-directed this. So, Golden Boys right there. Seriously. Like, when I think of DreamWorks films, this one definitely stands out. Do you think it's because of the director choice? Um, yeah. Like it stands out. It stands out in a good way, you know. Totally. It's definitely source material, and then just very solid, accomplished directors. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I, I think this was a welcome DreamWorks movie after like all the madcap kind of hilarity and over the top slapstick stuff from Madagascar. Mm-hmm. Let's see. I mean, this was 2010, so yes. it, was after, it was after Madagascar two. Yeah. Thank goodness. I think the world needed to kind of take a deep breath and have like a really sweet, you know, heartfelt movie after that, after that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I think that I think the directors had a big part in it. So this is based on a book series called How to Train Your Dragon by Cressida Cowell. Um, and there's a lot of deviations from the book, but basically it's the same plot line. We'll talk about those later. 
Um, it won 10 Annie Awards and was on, nominated for two Oscars. Of course, Best Animated Feature, and it lost to Toy Story 3. So speaking, when you mentioned, you're like, oh, it came out in 2010. 2010 was the great year of animation. It was. At least within the last decade. I mean, there was Toy Story 3, How to Train Your Dragon, Tangled came out. Um, lots of really, really solid movies came out that year. And you got to hand it to How to Train Your Dragon as well, because around the time it came out, there's like, it, so it was released March. And so around that time, there's kind of a deal with um, Clash of the Titans was coming out. Warner Brothers wanted to release it in 3D like a week after How to Train Your Dragon came out. Yeah. And so there's kind of this drama about like, I think, I think it was Jeffrey Katzenberg who kind of protested what was going on, them releasing it like a week afterwards. Like, I wonder if there's like, you know, movie protocols or like etiquette. For like, hey, uh, this is like your big movie that's coming out. Okay, I'm going to release my big movie a week after that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this film did pretty good. And you know what? It, it holds up to uh, the other like animated titans that came out that year. You know, Toy Story 3, like you said, Tangled. Well, when people go back and talk about this movie, it's all over the top excitement. People gush over this movie. It's like, oh, How to Train Your Dragon. It's so good. It's so good. Let's buy it. Right? When it was coming out on DVD, everyone, even like in their 20s, like that was kind of my age group, were still talking about this movie. And I thought that was pretty neat. And it really shows um, like how important a really good story is. If you have a very genuine good story, then people of all ages are going to buy in and like it and talk about it. But if it's just kind of a mediocre run-of-the-mill story, then it's not going to be as good. Yeah, story is definitely king. Okay, so I really like this concept because it goes, you know, there's this Viking theme. And that's something new that we hadn't really seen before. Um, And it's Nordic and dragons. And I can't really think of a, a movie, an animated movie that had dragons in this way. Yeah, the dragons, it's like a really cool concept. Like, you don't get a lot of Viking animated movies. Like, it made for some really, like, interesting, like, hair and beard effects going on. Like, all the, well, look at Stoics of Vath. I love, I love how that's what we comment on. The hair! The hair nice. and beard effects. <laughs> well, yeah, seriously. No, you, know, I, the Ho- you know, in The Hobbit, most of the beards were CG. Really? Yeah, really, oh, really. Really? So beards are a big deal in the CG world i guess <laughs> yeah but yeah uh, beards aside uh it's a cool it's a cool concept and i mean it's not the most unique way but it does a good job good solid job of like setting everything up you know mm-hmm. here's my world here are the dragons this is what we do yeah and of course hiccup is your typical oddball nerd who's out of place in his society you know and it's just really funny because he doesn't fit in he wants to be, but at the same time, he doesn't. And it, there's lots of protagonists in animated movies and non-animated movies who are like this. I think of Belle. You know, she didn't fit in. There was something wrong with her, but not really. And it's actually there's something wrong with yeah. the society. So that's kind of how this goes. It's, he doesn't want to hurt the dragons. He, he has no interest in da- in killing the dragons. And it turns out well, his well, point of view is right. Well, he does. He He wants to impress his dad. You know, in the beginning of the film, he, like, really wants to impress his dad. So he kind of invents kind of these cool gadgets to, like, catch the dragons. Because he wants to go out and fight, but they're like, no, Hiccup, you're you're, uh, kind of a screw-up. So, you know, you just stay over here. Yeah. You know, but he's like, no, 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 no. He wants to catch the Night Fury, and then he kind of makes this kind of net cannon thing. Because, so he, like, really, he he does want to. Uh But you're right, like, as he kind of changes his views on these dragons he doesn't want to fight them anymore he he tries to prove that there's a better way but it's kind of this cool dynamic about like 
Hiccup has a lot of appeal because, there, you know, a lot of kids out there that want to make their parents happy, you know? Yeah. Regardless. It's, it's interesting that the dad is actually the antagonist, but he's also the person he's trying to impress. And it's just, yeah. it's kind of an interesting dynamic that they how, set up. How unhealthy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there should be a, uh, a cartoon, uh, psychiatrist <laughs> yeah the dad is definitely an antagonist like him and hiccup definitely butt heads this whole time it's very interesting dynamic because stoic uh, he has a reason to believe that he's that he's right and that these dragons need to be exterminated because he has a village to feed and to save you know and to protect as their leader yeah the dragons are seen as pests just sort of like how you know wild hogs in texas are seen as pests because they go and they eat all your crops and they hurt your animals so they're kind Dang of like right. a, a similarity. Have you seen that show? It's like Hog Hunters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's where where like, they're really serious about the hog hunting? No, like that legitimately happens in Texas. Like people would do that all the time when I lived there. I lived in kind of these little like podunk areas. <laughs> and they'll they'll drive around in their trucks with cages so they can catch the pigs. Because yeah. farmers will pay a lot of money for them to get them off their property. So I kind of see like the, the parallel to nowadays. It's like these are, it's not that we're killing them it's they're a pest and they're hurting our society we've got to stop them oh that's awesome oh i'm just thinking about the hog hunters now it's like the next generation of duck dynasty i'll I'll send you the link oh yes please please do hog hunters Hunters is great i guess that's a south like a south south uh uh, like McAllen area texas thing up here we're just like uh if there's a hog like rooting around outside well i mean we'll go on hog hunts but it's not like we're like all right, another hog hunting operation is underway. <laughs> you know, we're always on the lookout for the infamous Night Fury hog. <laughs> so, yeah. Back to the show. Oh, yeah, and then there's, uh, you got a few other dynamics. Uh, Hiccup is uh, head over heels in love with the the baddest dragon catcher kid of them all. Of course. Astrid, who's like, I love her introduction in the in the movie. Oh, the slow mo, the slow mo hair whipping, <laughs> down to business stuff. Yeah, it's really funny. They know um, they know one too. Like, kind of poke fun at things and go over the top, and then hold back. And there's, yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah, good d- director's choice, I guess. What a cute film. I mean, Astrid is all business. She does not flinch when taking out a dragon. Hoo ha! You know. Uh-huh. And then you also kind of have this other sideline that there's like this big bad dragon that's like heading over to where they are. But that's later. Anyway, um, the story kind of gets gets interesting when Hiccup captures a Night Fury. He actually gets him with his little net cannon. He's very inventive. Yeah, he is, isn't he? He's pretty smart. And I like it because he does something that's a little different than, you know, everyone else. They're just getting their swords and pitchforks and he's kind of using his brain. <laughs> yeah. And then we're introduced. Well, so the Night Fury, you know, it kind of gets to know it because it's injured, you know. So this is the toothless. This is toothless. The the dragon that is being trained. Yeah. With retractable teeth. That thing's creepy. I would be so afraid of that. <laughs> I never under- I never understood t- the moniker toothless because he does have teeth. Originally, I guess in the book, he doesn't have teeth. And he's actually really small. He's kind of the size of the terrible terror breeds. And he had he didn't have teeth, but then he grew a tooth and then it like fell out. So his name was Toothless. And then they kind of wanted to keep the name. So they kind of added this like retractable teeth thing, which kind of made it work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. You know, I, uh, I fell in love with Toothless in this film. Well, he's like your total, typically loyal 
and happy pet. Like everybody would want a dog like him. Well, you know, only after Hiccup gets his, gains his trust, you know. Well, yeah. <laughs> we we used to have a cat named Steve, and he was all black. And uh, I thought about Steve so much watching Toothless. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's obvious. It's obvious that they looked at cats and and gave him a very feline appearance and personality. You know. Uh huh. I feel really bad when he hurt, when you realize that he's critically injured. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, did you have to do that? You know, I know you're trying to kill him, so I guess doing that's better than actually having killed him. But oh, now he can't fly, and he's stuck in this little like gully. Pretty sad. Yeah, I know. It it sets up a wonderful plot. <laughs> yeah. It sets off a beautiful friendship. Ah, uh, yeah. And uh, by augmenting the dragon with his inventions again, like his inventions are really cool. Like, how come Hiccup doesn't have like a more like prestigious role in the Viking community? Because that's not what they value. Yeah, I guess not. The culture is kill the beast. Kill the beast. <laughs> kill the beast. I wonder if I wonder if Stoic the Vast would get along with Gaston. A little <laughs> mashup, you know. <laughs> Probably, probably. Yeah. Both hunters. Yeah. So yeah, and so you kind of presents this, I don't want to say the typical, but the, the quintessential classic uh, duality plot, you know, where it's like, oh, I'm going to lie for a while so that I'll be accepted by my society. Yeah. And he kind of gets caught up in it. But at the same time, you know, I'm doing some good. Got a little Aladdin in there. Totally. I love yeah. the montage of like the training with the teenagers. and Dude, some, that, yeah, that's cool. That's one of the coolest parts. I Yeah. But he's talking about all the dragons. He's like, plus three aggression. Plus five fire resistance or something <laughs> like that. It's like, okay, Skyrim kid. This was Skyrim before there was Skyrim. Because I like how, because he's been able to kind of learn about the dragons and the way they move and different things that he's, he's able to outwit everybody and probably centuries of his culture's knowledge, you know, the way they've handled dragons forever. Yeah. Just with a few little observations, right? Yeah. So he's like studying this dragon. And so he's kind of learning to understand him. And so that's how he kind of rises up as yes. the great dragon conqueror, you know? Pokemaster? You better believe it. Like, this is Lance's former years. <laughs> Lance is a descendant of Hiccup. Dude, seriously. He's an advocate. <laughs> Come on. You, you guys know you got to treat your Pokemon with respect and love. It's true. <laughs> That's why Gary lost in the Game Boy game. But uh, I don't. I don't even know what happened. What happened to Gary at the end of the cartoon? I don't know. I think Ash ends up beating him at some point, but not during not the final final championship. Yeah, because I know in in Silver, Gold, and Crystal, he he quits the Pokemon League. I mean, well, yeah, he has to. He gets kicked out. He takes over Giovanni's gym. Oh. So anyway, the tension is definitely mounting because Stoic gets wind of this dragon's nest. It's Hiccup that's flying on Toothless, right? And by the way, those scenes of Hiccup flying around like on Toothless's back are like super cool. Yes. It, it totally makes you envy uh, Hiccup and be like, oh man, I want a dragon. <laughs> HM2 is fly. But yeah, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, they like go out to this this island and follow the dragons, and that's where they see Big Mother Dragon. Holy cow, yes. Holy crap. Like Holy dragon. Holy dragon. When that thing comes out at the end of the film, like yeah. I was like, holy shnike you. <laughs> yeah, it's then he's scary. like flame throwing like all over like rah, It's like move, move over Pacific Rim. This is like the giant kaiju of the movie. But anyway, um, and Stoic has the opportunity to find this nest and finish off the dragons once and for all. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. <laughs> but uh <laughs> and so that yeah, and so you can kind of see the tension mounting this whole movie. And that is very quintessential. Like that happens a lot in movies, but they just they just made it better in this film. Like how, how so? I suppose if you're gonna take classic motifs motifs of storytelling, then you need to do it like solidly, you know? Mm-hmm. Like of course you could see kind of the stuff coming, like, oh, okay, this is gonna this is gonna go wrong and then Hiccup's going to be like at his lowest point, and then he's going to be like, wait, no, I got this far following my instincts, so I'm going to save the day. You know, <laughs> I don't I don't know exactly how it works in this film, but um, I guess good directors make the movie, you know, so entertaining that you're that you're willing to overlook the fact that these are kind of not recycled, but kind of, you know, plot points have been used uh, quite a bit. Yeah. Well, going back to Astrid, she sort of discovers Toothless. That's and then right. it's really scary because you're like, oh, great, she's going to ruin everything. And now he's going to have to convince her. And, and he does a really good job. And he takes her on that flight and then sort of. I can show you the dragon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it basically was that, right? <laughs> no, yeah, but I really like that because she really threatens, like, the whole existence. Like, doesn't she almost try to kill Toothless or she's going to go back and tell? Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, then gets them on her side, and then gets all the teenagers on their side, and they all start training dragons together. Oh, one thing we didn't talk about was like the big finale, uh, final exam. So like all the That's kids right. have kind of been like beating each other out to see who's the top dragon rider. Well, they don't really ride them, dragon killer. And so you have to fight a dragon and then kill him, right? Uh huh. And then there's this big arena of people watching, and it's very barbaric and totally makes sense with the Viking thing. And he's really put in this dilemma because you're like, oh my gosh, he's he's not going to do it, but how's he going to get out of this? Yeah, this is like the big moment, right? Because uh, this is when uh, Hiccup's about to be like, hey, check it out. These dragons can be harnessed for use of man, and we can learn to get along with them, you know? Mm-hmm ultimately stoic's stubbornness that uh that kind of ruins it like i don't know do you ever do that a lot like with with movies in general but also animated films where it's like someone's giving them a hard time and you're like look just explain to them that this happened you know there's like a misunderstanding but they don't and you're like this whole thing would have been you know yeah i don't know what hiccup could have done well the problem is that stoic is so He's very close-minded, and he doesn't know how to relate to anybody on any other level but his own. So, you know, you got Hiccup, who is just kind of trying to throw logic into the picture, which obviously doesn't work out very well. And through the whole thing, all Hiccup wants Stoic to do is just listen to him. And Stoic just can't. And then there's that one comment where he's like, finally, now that you're a dragon slayer, we'll have something to talk about. And I was like, that's so sad. Oh, like, I know. It's just like, they're just never going to be on the same level. Ever. That was just one of those parts that was just like, hur- hurtful? Well, not really hurtful, but it hurt. I agree. I agree. It was it was a sad moment that they literally had nothing in common and that this was it. But he chooses something else and he jeopardizes potentially his relationship with his dad the greater good of the dragons and that's like a hard thing to do is to abandon your family in a way and we kind of talked about this on another episode but it all works out in the end thank goodness (laughs) hiccup you need to stop this you just pointed to all of me dad (laughs) that's one of my favorite lines (laughs) i love the one part where he picks up like (laughs) isn't it the mom's the, breast, the <laughs> breastplate is the hat. 
That's <laughs> really funny. Clever. I remember that now. <laughs> Not to be a downer, but Stoic is really hard on Hiccup after yeah. the final exam, you know? Yeah. Like I said, he's very close-minded and he doesn't see anything outside of his own box. Like he's afraid of change. And, you know, it's just that defensive mentality that it's like, even though this isn't working out, I'm still going to defend my ignorance until the ship goes down. I guess it's like that the captain of the ship thing. I'm going down with the ship, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Lesson learned. Don't be like that. Don't don't be like stoic. <laughs> Maybe he hit his head against the rock one too many times. You know, when his dad, he's like, when I was younger, my dad told me to hit my head against the rock multiple times. Did I ask him why? No. Do you know what happened? The rock broke. And do you know what I learned? I can do anything. And I'm just thinking, oh, that's not very good logic. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. You know, you're kind of used to kind of plot points like this. You know, Hiccup is at his lowest point. You know, what can he do now? But uh, he's got his friends with him. He's got his determination. He knows what he has to do. So he, like, goes off to save everyone. And um, they were introduced to this gigantic dragon. Holy cow. They really did a good job of, like, making this seem like a one-sided battle. Like... Oh, yeah. I also like how Stoic just doesn't hesitate to fight any dragons. He has no fear. <laughs> He's like, oh, giant 90-story dragon? Okay. <laughs> Where's me hammer? We do- hey, we don't know what type of uh, beast he's destroyed before. It's a chump change. No kidding. He could have uh, yeah, been fighting full-grown balrogs and full-grown mountain trolls. I like that they kind of bring in the whole kids rule dynamic and in, in, into it you know oh, yes. they're like i'll get on the dragons they're like okay we're gonna go save the day let's go you know <laughs> oh yeah that was like a very 90s vibe like go kids dude kids yeah, rule yeah. that's like the motto of 90s so true like i feel like a, a lot of like captain planet vibe burger king kids club you know so if this were released in the 90s it totally would fit but it's it's more reminiscent now <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, okay, the kids come to save the day, and um, it was a really scary battle. I think the dragon's called Red Death. Ooh. Red Death. Yeah. So what are some of the like, iconic dragons in animation history? Let's see, animation history. Like, does it have to be animated films? Oh, yeah, oh no, no, we can, we can do other dragons. Pete's dragon. Oh, Pete's dragon. Of course, Dragonite. Um, there's a dragon. Is there a dragon in Dragon's Lair? There's gotta be. I don't know. I never got that far. Um, well, that was the stupidest question I think I've ever asked. <laughs> was there a dragon in Dragon's Lair? <laughs> I'm going I'm to I'm tell Don Bluth that. <laughs> well, are there some Don Bluth movies with dragons? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Um, there's a dragon in um, Sword in the Stone. Oh, um, Defeated like by a germ. War of the Quest World style. Camelot. Oh brother! Yeah, and then they did they did that again in Dragon Tales. Oh my gosh, we Dragon Tales, Dragon Tales. Oh. Let's never speak of Dragon Tales again. Oh my gosh! Okay. Now that we're all agreed, um, let's see more animated dragons. Uh, Shrek. Yeah, uh, Shrek. That's a good dragon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Enchanted. Ah uh, yes. Very Enchanted. good. And then you said smog in, you know, The Hobbit 2. <laughs> the Hobbit, yeah. Smog. 
the defiler. No, wait, that's the white orc. He's the defiler. Um, and then, uh, of course, Harry Potter, you got a few dragons. The first one was a baby dragon. Uh, Norbert! Norbert! Oh, little guy. <laughs> then, yeah, there's the golden dragon in the seventh movie. And then there's all the dragons in book four, which are awesome. Oh my gosh, they're so freaking scary. Seriously. And uh, yeah, quite a few, quite a few great dragons. What do you think is the best? Just animation, which is the most iconic dragon of the animated dragons? Well, Maleficent as a dragon was like super fast. Like she did not throw her weight. Like it did not take a lot to throw her weight, weight around. Like she's just like, bam, 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 bam. Alligator noise, you know? <laughs> I, I think she's the best. She's scary, dude. Talk about yeah. Godzilla. <laughs> Talk about Fantasmic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fantasmic was pretty sweet. I don't know. Who would win? Maleficent Dragon or this Red Death guy? Hmm. I think the Red Death is a lot bigger. And probably no slower. Probably. Hmm. Probably has higher defense. Ooh. Special attack. More so, Maleficent has higher special attack. It's true. Yeah. Definitely mage class. Low defense. Yeah. I mean, just one sword. One sword. <laughs> one sword poke. <laughs> So what was the key to destroying this dragon? You just kind of had well, to somehow it, get there and poke it? Which one? The big one. The no, big the one? Red, red Death? Oh, it's it's very boss fight. Yeah. You have to uh, attack its weak point for massive damage. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Looking at the plot, they, they uh, damaging its wings and then forcing it into an escape, inescapable dive back to Earth, killing it in a massive <laughs> explosion. And then, it, you know, you can see it flash red before it, it dies. You know, that's how the boss fight always goes. No, but how they killed it was because of the night fury. He like blew the fire inside of his mouth. And so from the inside out. Yeah, he has like, he has like plasma bolt. Yeah, Basically, very, very boss it's fight. no question they turn this into a video game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. The, the red dragon is basically the equivalent of the Death Star, but a dragon. True. <laughs> so, two meters wide, that's impossible. No, nah, man, me and Biggs used to bullseye womp rats on our T-16s back home. But uh, <laughs> it's, we're basically dealing with the Death Star. Yeah. Right now, poised at the edge of the galaxy, Emperor Zurg is secretly constructing a space station with enough destructive power to annihilate an entire planet. <laughs> a dragon with a destructive power to annihilate an entire Viking village. <laughs> yeah. So why, how come they never discovered this dragon before? It's just because he's kind of like a hermit dragon who just dragon. has all the other dragons feed him and he never needs to come out? Until... Um, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. Maybe why. maybe he doesn't really need to attack anyone because the dragons are all feeding him. True. Maybe. Maybe all the dragons were able to trap him inside this island. And so in order to keep him from going out and ruining the whole world, they've just been they've just been feeding him all of their livestock. That's true. So really it was the dragons that have been saving the world by feeding the, by feeding this guy all their livestock. Yeah, they're just misunderstood. Speaking of that, in one of the scenes when the dragons are carrying like food to the big dragon, you can see the hippo from Madagascar three being carried. You <laughs> oh, can Gloria. Yeah. Oh, are you sure it's not Mondo Mondo? No. So nice, you got to say it twice. <laughs> cool. That's kind of funny. I need to go back and look at that. Yeah, gotta love the Easter eggs. <laughs> Dude, I love Easter eggs. Okay, so let's wrap up with the end. So basically, Hiccup and Toothless, uh, Hiccup falls 
Well, Hiccup gets pretty badly injured, doesn't he? Yeah, because uh-huh. he kind of sacrifices himself. And, but it's not like a I'm going to do a suicide bomber thing. It's just he falls and Toothless saves him. And then he's pretty hurt. Um, well, what happened was Toothless saves him because he's firepuss on the outside and he like wraps himself around him so he's safe. Uh, but then Hiccup wakes up the next day with a wooden leg. And then it was just the, the saddest thing because like at first he's just he wakes up and then he looks at his wooden leg and then he kind of gets up and puts it on the ground and it was just one of those moments that would be like I would be so traumatized if that happened to me oh yeah if I just woke up without a leg and oh my gosh I don't know but he takes it so well I mean he gets over it really quickly but then you think you know these things are probably commonplace in this culture (laughs) with Vikings it's an occupational hazard I know but like still you're just losing a limb in an animated film I mean that's the big deal. Yeah. And normally it's like, okay, you'll see pirates with peg legs or adults, but never like a child or a teenager. I yeah. mean, that was a pretty bold move. And I loved it because it immediately bonded Hiccup to Toothless. Yeah. And that's right. You know, it's like you are missing a limb and I am missing a limb. And, and the, it's suddenly like, we're the same now. Like, I understand you even more. And yeah. you understand me. And it's just a really cool moment. Like, I like it. it I, I'm, I'm very sad that he lost his leg at the same time. Yeah. Rock the peg leg, man. I know. Now Now he's like this big, big, tough man, you know. And Astrid's like, whoa, hiccup. But anyway, but I think she liked him anyway. But uh, <laughs> When she punches him, she's like, that's for kidnapping me. And then she kisses him. Oh. That's for everything else. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. That girl knows how to work it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's cool now because now the dragons and the Vikings are like allies, you know? Yes. They've all become friends and, you know, happy and they're helping to fix the village and work together. And everyone yeah, so has this is, their this own. This is a new era for Vikings. You know, I really appreciate how they went in and they redid the opening monologue. Uh, you know, where it says that he starts off and saying, This is Burke. You know, all of these bad things and. What tops it off even worse is we have dragons. Uh-oh, not good. Um, but then by the end of the movie, they've totally turned it full circle. And he's like, this is Burke. It snows. Things are not that great. But you know what? We have dragons. It was something I give them I give them props for that. It made me happy. No, yeah. that's cute. Yeah, it was super cute. You know, uh, uh, Cressida Cowell, the, uh, the author of the original book, she actually liked that ending better with... With Hiccup having kind of sacrificed his leg, oh. you know, in the film. That's yeah, just just re- just reading a little little blip here. You know, the filmmaker, the directors, they wanted they wanted to kind of be like, well, there's this giant horrible dragon, and they defeated him like with no problem. So, mm-hmm. yeah. what's up with that? So, to kind of make it a little more believable, they kind of um, had him sac- they kind of sacrificed his leg for that. And also, um, it's it's important to see that so it's a definite parallel to toothless losing his little flying fin you know mm-hmm. and having toothless there it just makes the film a lot more deep and it makes their relationship a lot more deep you know this isn't a cowboy and his horse this is a you know there's a very brotherly bond between hiccup and toothless yeah so i think that's a cool touch it is kind of crazy though because i mean it's a kid he loses his leg holy cow yeah lots of crazy things that happen for that reason for kind of the more dramatic things that they did that's what makes it good because they push the boundaries, I guess. Not too much, but just enough to make it different and fun. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's cool. So why do you think this movie is so legendary in people's minds? 
Well, the, the, an- the animation and like the visuals are pretty good in this film. And you get some of these aerial shots and some of these like shots of like toothless flying and stuff. And it's really cool, like really believable. And so I think the film is like well animated, definitely. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and of course, it's DreamWorks, you know, they're, they're advanced enough to where they can pull off those kinds of visuals. But it's also because this film has a lot of heart. Yes. You know, aww. it's a, it's an aww thing. <laughs> yeah. So have, what do you guys think about the sequel? Have you seen the, the concept art for that? It's sexy teenage hiccup. Like he's kind of grown up a bit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> really? Very badly. Uh, everyone has their, their own dragons, obviously. <laughs> Astrid. Why do you laugh oh, at her? Astrid. He pulled a, not Astrid, um, hiccup. He pulled a Neville Longbottom. <laughs> that is so true. Why? <laughs> he's not like awkward boy anymore. Yeah, the actor oh. <laughs> who played Neville was like, he had to wear fake and he was really not very attractive in the movies and then at the premiere of the final movie he goes to the red carpet and it's like hubba hubba (laughs) (laughs) and everyone was like holy moly move over daniel radcliffe uh no yeah that is true (laughs) yeah so i'm really excited for this movie i they're making a second and a third so i really hope they have good um they even did some, uh, I think they either did a cartoon series or a few short films. Yeah, one of, um, somebody on Twitter posted, if, basically saying, because I posted that we were doing this movie, and he said, the movies are great, and the writers of Burke is also great, in case you missed it. Like, basically anything they've done regarding this series has been good. Apparently there was a live show, and there was a cartoon series, um, so oh, this oh, is definitely... A live show? Yeah, I... Was it like a Broadway thing? Yeah, it's a live like a live broadway type show how do they make the dragons fly around uh how do they make people fly on in place <laughs> bring in the robot. astrid is like astrid looks like link oh yeah 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 where she's flying and fighting that's awesome <laughs> so yeah this has been a huge franchise for them this is like their new shrek so i'm i'm okay with them making a second movie a third movie a tv series and clearly a live-action spectacular. That's fantastic. Did Shrek get his own live-action spectacular? Yes, there's Shrek the musical. Yeah. The Broadway musical that travels. And oh Gosh, they'll do Broadway anything. Hey, if I it works. It works. If the shoe fits. <laughs> if the boot fits. If the ticket sells is more appropriate. <laughs> I guess so. So what would you guys rate this movie? I'm going to give it three and a half to four stars. Um, I have all good feelings about this movie. It's it wraps up really nicely. I always feel good after I watch it. Um, it has like mid to high replay value for me as well. I mean, I've seen it three times in the last year. I can watch it over and over, but I wouldn't say that it's something that it's like I want to watch over and over. So, um, I'm gonna go with three and a half stars. I'm gonna give this four and a half stars. Four and a half. All right. Just wow. because, yeah, just like what, what Chelsea said, kind of the way it very nicely wraps together. And I'm okay with that. It's not like some movies where it wraps together very nicely and you're like, oh, well, that was convenient. You know, they did it in a great way with him losing his leg. Just the emotion you feel towards uh, Toothless and their relationship and kind of the dilemma that Hiccup's in is really cool. Um, very cool battle scenes, great animation. Really good story and very high replay value. I can go back and and just love this movie. It's good. So I I give it four and a half because four just seems too low. Well, I'll give it four stars for you. Um, Yeah, four stars. This is a really entertaining, like really good film with a lot of appeal, a lot of heart, like I said. 
Plus, doesn't Toothless look like he belongs in the next Pokemon game? Come on. But um, Toothless is, like, the cutest. But, like, really cool characters. One thing I didn't like was that the plot seemed a little recycled, you know, kind of like the, the kind of motifs and the mm-hmm. kind of everything. But um, but they executed it really well. Definitely. So it's not like the, it's like a huge big deal. But, yeah, four stars. This is a really solid, good film. Awesome. Well, we also got a few voicemails in this week, so we're going to hear what they thought. Yay, voicemail! Hey, Morgan, Chelsea, and Mason. It's Ben here, and I follow you guys on Twitter, and I love everything that you guys do. I love the blog and everything. Um, We're talking about How to Train Your Dragon this week, I guess, and I have to say that's my second favorite DreamWorks film after Shrek and um, Ahead of the Croods, and I really like it because it took itself seriously, that it wasn't you know, all silly and tongue-in-cheek and all goofy and blah, 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 blah. I thought it was really good and grounded and took itself seriously and had a lot of heart to it. And I thought the voice acting was great. I love the characters. The animation is awesome. And I have to say, the music is probably one of my favorite parts of this film. I have, like two parts of the soundtrack on my phone the test flight sequence with Hiccup and Toothless and the end credits um, score I absolutely love it and I'll just play it and it's just so empowering I just want to like punch a wall after I love that so much so um, yeah those are my thoughts on how to train your dragon I'm really excited to see what you guys have to say so yeah I can't wait for the podcast bye Okay, super excited that you actually, you guys are doing um, How to Train Your Dragon, one of the most amazing movies ever. Um, I've always been a Disney purist, always preferred Disney, um, but as soon as I watched um, How to Train Your Dragon, it was probably one of the only moments that I cried when it wasn't a romantic thing, when it wasn't someone dying, was um, when Hiccup... um, is with Toothless and they're just kind of getting to know each other and he's giving him fish and stuff like that and then he puts his hand out and looks away and Toothless touches his head into his hand. I mean, that shot, honestly, even now talking about it, goosebumps. Goosebumps, rotoscopers, amaze. Um... Yeah, beautifully shot, the clouds, the flying sequences. Oh, my God, that movie, amazing. Thank you for doing it. Can't wait to hear your review next week. Um, And holla all the way from um, Zimbabwe. Whoop, whoop. You guys are doing a great job. Bye. Hi, guys. I'm Amanda Williams. I'm a contributor for Sound on Sight, and I'm happy to share a few thoughts on my favorite animated film, How to Train Your Dragon. What I really love about this film is that I'm able to enjoy it as a young adult and animation fan from an artistic perspective and admire it for its ability to play with familiar themes by utilizing a smart script and really great performances. In the end, it's such an endearing way to introduce fans to the books by Chrissita Cowell and the sequel. I can't wait for that. Um, the plot could be compared to various films that feature, you know, Boy and his pet figure, um, stories about loyalty and understanding, where the protagonist is paired with a dog or a giant, you know, 50-foot iron robot. Uh, where it gets its inspiration from that dynamic, it builds upon that with gorgeous animation, some of the best from DreamWorks aside from, you know, the Kung Fu Panda films. And it has a great cast. I mean, they really chose their voice as well, uh, even if some are really surprising. Like, I, I like... Baruchel as Hiccup, but I'd really like to hear the story of that casting because he's got such a unique voice for animation, one you wouldn't expect, 
But that off-kilter quality adds to Hiccup's appeal, I think. There's been some talk about the accent inconsistency within the village and the authenticity to the supposed geographical region, but I think that's one very minor point. But, it, I mean, yeah, there's some things about this movie that aren't perfect, but it's such a great film overall. Then you have the magnificent score by John Powell. I bemoan the lots of that Oscar. There's a power that that music brings to each sequence. And um, with Hiccup and Toothless in the woods, I think that's the scene that most reminds me of the Iron Giant, where there's an intimacy between the two characters. And that's really where the heart of the movie really is, is just that relationship developing. Just That music is such a great accompaniment. It's so well done, and it's beautiful. I could listen to those tracks over and over, and... um, they add a lot to the flight sequences. It's just an overall great score. Um, and I can't talk about How to Train Your Dragon without giving props to DreamWorks for the effort that went into making this film one that aims to teach. The relationships among the characters define the film's purpose. It teaches about acceptance with Hiccup and his dad and tolerance with the villagers and the dragons. And as a member of the disabled community myself... What I personally appreciate about this film is that it acknowledges the stereotypical portrayal of amputees that you would see in pirate films or cartoons with Gobber throughout the movie, and that doesn't play any role in the overall story. But then it takes the opportunity it has, at the end, to use the natural curiosity that young viewers have about limb loss and disabilities, something that they really can't understand, and it takes away that fear. Instead of making it a horrific accident, which it can be, the benefit of being animated is that it eases the burden of explaining it by being too realistic and too graphic. And it allows kids to see, after the fact, the truth that is very much a reality, that Hiccup is still just a normal boy who happens to, you know, ride big, giant, fire-breathing dragons. And knowing how kids react to seeing certain handicaps in real life To me, that is something so precious and valuable for them to have, to watch in a safe medium, and to be there to open the door to conversation and uh, discussion about this subject that is something that, you know, it's great for them to know about, something for them to be familiar with. Um, But it's not like it hasn't been done before in some way in film and animation. You really can't get very far into a discussion about animation nowadays without eventually mentioning the themes in Pixar films and how they present them. Toy Story touches on it with Buzz in the first film and Woody in the second. And then with Finding Nemo, that's also in part about the independent spirit of physically challenged individuals. The difference here is that it doesn't play up the actual limb loss for dramatic emphasis or focus on Hiccup and Gobber's handicaps as plot points. Uh, Instead, it places all of its energy in the spirit of triumph for being who you are before all of that even happened. The execution here is handled mildly, but it's where the sweetness in the end scene is where DreamWorks really succeeds in handling this. And it's not even in the last 10 minutes of the movie. The fact that it's just there is really what matters, and it didn't have to be. I haven't read all the books. I've only listened to part of the audiobooks, but um, to my knowledge, it's not even in the original stories by Christina Cowell. Uh, It was a DreamWorks their initiative to put it in there and for someone who wishes that this movie existed when i was a kid i'm so glad that they did put it in there uh the movie's not dependent on a sequel to explain any cliffhangers or answer any questions which is fine with where we leave hiccup but we also get to see his life continue on in shorts and eventually the sequel in 2014 so that's also really nice to see as a reaffirmation that he will continue to be a great figure in his village and for audiences as a positive example of a character who just so 
happens to have disabilities, but his future adventures won't be defined by that. So from the opening flyover to the end credits, uh, HTTYD, that's not an easy acronym, sets out as a fantasy adventure that really works as a fun addition to the DreamWorks filmography. Uh, it takes chances where it matters. And because of that, I, I recommend this. I really do. I really love this film. And like I said, it is my favorite animated movie. I slope in my bloody bothersome Now orange and white and red, green and yellow Rainbow colors, tonight I see the view Slip the cycle through I give the light to strong blow up Guess what, guys? It's time for mailbag! Woo! Yay! So we have a lot of mail today. We were going to do it on our last episode, but then I guess we kind of just got lazy or distracted, and so we didn't. So now we're doing them all on this episode, which is fantastic. The first one we're going to start out with from Esther Rosenfield. Uh, we've heard from her before. Uh, let's see what hey, she has. Esther. Hi, Esther. Let's see what she has to say now. So here it is. Do you have a favorite book, comic, or TV show that you'd like to see made into an animated film? Morgan, let's start with you. Let's see. Let's see. Favorite book, comic, or TV show? Hmm. Well, I would love to see the X-Men, a high-quality, uh, great production value animated film, I think would be fantastic. But I think they've kind of already done variations of that before. Um, and then, hmm, I've mentioned, I think, Pride and Prejudice would be really cool. And then one of our writers mentioned that Pride and Prejudice would be awesome with animals. And I totally agree. Oh, my. <laughs> Anthropomorphic animals are just like animal animals. So I don't know. I like the idea of it. So it would just be like a Robin Hood. Yeah, again. totally. That's, that's I, like, I like that idea. Go yeah. for it. See? Pat See? Matt. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> On to Disney. Bring a more script. As, so Esther continues, and she says, here are my top picks. The Mrs. Piggle Wiggle Books by Betty McDonald, a staple of children's chapter books since the 1950s. The series revolves around the charming Mrs. Piggle Wiggle in her upside-down house who uses magic and a few more tricks up her sleeve to cure kids of their bad habits and remedies such as the don't-want-to-pick-up-your-toys cure, the whispering remedy, the answer-talker-backer, and my favorite, the tattletale cure. I actually really like that idea. I love those books. Did you ever read them? No. They're fun. I I actually have the whole Mrs. Piggle Wiggle treasury. I'll get it for you. Ooh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and then she says, Ron Dahl is her number two, The Twit. The book is a short, quick read like Fantastic Mr. Fox, but could also be fleshed out a bit more and made into a good family film with a touch of dark humor and sharp wit. I've gotten some gleeful feedback from reading aloud to kids about the nasty duo who play tricks on each other and the just desserts served to them by monkeys and birds who have had enough of the twits and their ghoulish ways. And then the third is Banicula. Did you ever read that one? No. Yes, maybe. I totally remember Sounds that one. Sounds very familiar. Yeah. Like one of those summer reading lists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things. I totally read it too. Uh, the Monroe Household Pet, Chester the Cat, and Harold the Dog suspect the newest addition of their family is a rabid vampire. CGI Talking Animals is a shoo-in for comedy, and the story has some hilarious dialogue. This could be a great Halloween movie to release in October and gently poke fun of the entire vampire obsession. The only problem I have with that is it's sort of like Curse of the Were-Rabbit. Yeah. Where the yeah. rabbit, I, it isn't exactly a vampire, but it's similar. So mm-hmm. I feel like for that reason alone, they'd see that, eh, been done. Yeah. I That's think, an idea. I, I, yeah. 
But a lot of these have already been done too. So <laughs> not like Raw Dolls with Twits and Mrs. Pivotal haven't been done. I think those are really awesome from recommendations though, Esther. And she says, looking forward to hearing from the rotoscopers. Ta-ta, Esther Rosenfield. Yeah, I really liked her, her ideas there. They're really good. Very. I hadn't ever thought about using those. I guess it's just been a really long time since I've been into the like the junior section of the reading bin. <laughs> you're never too old for the juniors. No, you're not. But I just haven't gone down that aisle for a long time. So <laughs> it was a really those are really good options. I remember them really well. So the next email is from Mark. He says, hey, y'all, my name is Mark Brackney, and I'm from Huntsville, Alabama. I really love animation as much as you guys, and I'm just thrilled to find you on AnimatedViews.com. I'm 19 years old and a senior at Sparkman High School. I'm going to Calhoun at, at Decatur to their art building for graphic design. So wish me luck. Good luck. Yay, good luck. That's awesome. <laughs> so exciting. I love hearing like people following their passions and going into animation and going to school for animation. So that's really, really exciting. I know you're going to do great and blow them away with all your amazing animation knowledge that you already knew. And then maybe you picked up from the Animation Addicts podcast, right? <laughs> yeah. And also they found us on animatedviews.com. That's a great site, by the way. If you guys ever are perusing the internet, check it out. It, it is a good site. And okay, so one of our other readers asked, you know, like, hey, do you know a good place where I can find other people obsessed with animation? And I mentioned some other sites, but I completely forgot Animated Views. And Animated Views has a forum, and that's definitely a place you want to go for specific animation discussion. The other websites kind of more general and, and some of the more some of the sub forums you can find animated topics, but this one is a peop is a site dedicated to animation with fans all about animation. So definitely check that out if you're looking for a forum or kind of a community to look for. Our next email is from Mark Brown and he says, Dear Ms. Kelsey Robson and Ms. Morgan Stradling. Ooh, so formal. I know. <laughs> it's been a long time since anybody's ever called me Ms. You may call me Mark. Hi, Mark. Hey, Mark. I'm a fellow animation lover and fanatic and have been since I was a young boy. I'm now in my 20s and still love animated films more than ever. I came across your existence while visiting <laughs> animatedviews.com, which I check daily. And that brought me to your site and your YouTube account. I just want to say that I love your site, news and videos. And it's always a pleasure to see fellow animation addicts. Your site and YouTube channel are now daily views for me. And I'm extremely glad to have discovered them. Thanks for making the internet a better place and for spreading animation love to everyone. Aw. You know, that is that should be a goal for most people is to make the internet a better place because a lot of people make the, the internet a far worse place and fill it with a bunch of junk. So I'm glad that animation isn't seen as junk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He continues and says, P.S. I have a blog on WordPress, The Animation Commendation. I use it to post everything related to animation. My thoughts on an animated film that I've just seen, a top 13 list pertaining to animation, sometimes animated film reviews. But my biggest project on the site is my Disney canon Forgotten Minor Characters project. Since last November, I've been going through all the Disney films of the canon and denoting slash recognizing a forgotten slash minor character or characters from each one and talking about them. If you're interested in checking my blog out, the address is www.markb4.wordpress.com. Cool. Yeah, I went to his website and he 
Okay, I love the forgotten minor character project where uh, you you go back and look at characters that have maybe forgotten in history. Um, here's one. I'm just looking on his page. Forgotten minor character number 35. Penelope the donkey from Hercules. <laughs> oh. Oh, Penelope. So awesome. And, you know, like a movie that he reviewed, he, of course, you know, Frankenweenie. And then another one was the animated Phantom of the Opera. And I'm just like, oh, oh. oh. I, it's, I don't think I ever saw that one. It, it, it looks like it's like a kid's classic collection. It was kind of straight to video. I don't even know, but it. It looks hilarious. So his website again is mark with a K B four dot wordpress.com. So check it out. If you're wanting to get some great um, thoughts and scoop and of course, forgotten Disney characters, go to his site. Okay. Our next email is from Hannah's just a preface. Hannah's email is sort of just bullet points listing different things she noticed in Howl's moving castle. So we're just going to go ahead and read those right now. Dear hosts. My name is Hannah. First off, I want to say thank you for such a great podcast. With one of my favorite other podcasts ending, it's wonderful to find a new one to spark my interest. I've listened to almost all your episodes. There are a few I haven't, only because I haven't watched those movies yet. It's nice to hear Mason's voice again. As much as I love hearing the girls, I also like the auditory balance Mason's pitch brings. Oh, well, we love Mason too. And we love the masculinity he brings to the podcast. <laughs> Howl's Moving Castle isn't my favorite Miyazaki film, but it is one of my top three. A lot of the questions that weren't answered in the film were, in fact, answered in the book series. I do keep in mind that the book and the movie are two different things, and the movie is not a strict book-to-film adaptation, and they didn't explain enough of the relationship in the movie like the book did. Well, that's good to know. I also viewed the change in Sophie's appearance going from Grandma Sophie to Young Sophie had to do with Sophie's self-confidence and how she views her role in the world. In the beginning, she's all blah and doesn't care what happens to her and does her duty to the shop because that's what expected of her. By the end of the movie, she's grown into an independent young woman who can stand for herself, make decisions based on what she believes is right, and is ultimately the heroine of the story. The eating hearts idea is also addressed in the book. Ooh, good, because I want to know about this. Yeah. Billy Crystal does a lot of improv with the lines he's given. It's wonderful. I'll admit, I actually didn't know what John Lasseter looked like until I watched the behind the scenes on the Howl's Moving Castle DVD. The Turnip Prince kiss was a kiss of true love, which is actually kind of stupid because it's like Rosalie wasn't Romeo's Juliet, but he was her Romeo. But the kiss Sophie gave Howl was one of a declaration of love. I also think that Sophie has a bit of magic in herself as well and was able to communicate to Howl to find Calcifer. Here's to waiting for your next great episode, your newest faithful listener, Hannah. And you can find her on Twitter at Lady Alice Parker. Thanks, Hannah. That was awesome. I liked the different insights you brought into Howl's Moving Castle and some of the things that we missed and the different uh, things you brought in from the book. So that was really cool. Thanks for writing. That was awesome. Yeah, thank you. Okay, thanks everybody for leaving us mailbag. We loved reading them. Thanks for giving us your thoughts on the show. It's perfect and exactly what we want is to hear other people and their opinions on the shows that we do and, you know, things that we miss. So thank you for sending us the email. If you want to send us a future email with your thoughts on maybe the movie we just did, How to Train Your Dragon, send us an email at vrotoscopers at gmail.com. Also, just as a plug, we love voicemail. So if you want, just type in www.therotoscopers.com slash voicemail, and you can send us a 90-second voicemail of your thoughts of the movie or whatever you'd like. We'd love hearing your voice, so you'd get 10 extra cool points for that. So 
if you want to find us, you can head on over to therotoscopers.com and you can look for all of our news, our reviews, our podcasts, everything's found on there. You can also find us at Twitter, at The Rotoscopers. We also are on Tumblr and Facebook and Hypable and Animated Use. Woohoo! Don't forget, if you like the podcast and you quote it to yourself and you go and you listen to all the episodes and you re-listen the episodes, the best thing you can do to show us your love is to go on iTunes and leave us a review. It helps a ton, more than you can think. It helps us get noticed by iTunes so more people can find, you know, become animation addicts just like yourselves and just like us. So just leave us a review on iTunes and we appreciate it very, very much. Till next time, ta-ta! So I had this uh, crazy idea. You know, Netflix has put out, we've talked about this on the Facebook page, Netflix has put out a bunch of Cartoon Network shows that uh, you probably remember from the 90s and, and, and after. And it's got, it got some newer ones. Uh, you, you know, Adventure Time comes to mind. And then you, you got your classics like uh, Powerpuff Girls, uh, Dexter's Laboratory. And so I thought to myself, self, why don't we review some of them on the show? You know, we talk about cartoon shows, but I don't think we've ever like reviewed a whole series. And so I, we're going to find a way to do this, but we're going to review some of these old Cartoon Network shows. You know, the ones you would see on uh, Cartoon Cartoons Fridays, if you remember. In addition to that, um, I can definitely see us doing some videos on our YouTube channel. So if our viewers want to want to make some recommendations or, or suggestions for what we might review, um, just let us know. But yeah, uh, we're excited about this. Uh, I know I am. <laughs> it's going to be pretty fun because I, I, uh, I love those old, old Cartoon Network shows. But yeah, that's what we're gonna. That's what we're doing next. Gonna be awesome, and we still we need to get Mason on the YouTube. We're we're still working on that. So definitely check out our next episode. We're gonna be venturing into TV, which a lot of people have been requesting. So we're really excited. So thanks for joining us. It was fun to have the gang back together, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll do TV, but we're still not gonna do Naruto. So ha. <laughs> Take that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So until next time, we, we are, are the Rotoscopers. Are we ready? Ready, yeah, Captain. I... <laughs> Hi. You what? I sent you my, my, my transcript photo of my grades this semester. <laughs> I meant to send it to Jared, but now you could, now you know. <laughs> So anyway, I get random emails slash text messages meant to be for Jared too. So. Yeah, I do it to everybody. It's it's a good thing I'm a clean Jared, texter. Yeah. Every time I hear Amazon, I think of um that girl on Finding Nemo who's like, "I'm a piranha. They live in the Amazon." <laughs> <laughs>